America is the greatest country the world has ever known. We are a nation of immigrants, pioneers, and patriots. Together, we create the bold, beautiful fabric that is America. We are the city upon the hill, a beacon to the world. America is the land of freedom and unlimited opportunity. My name is Tina McCafferty. Join me every Friday as I spotlight those who embody the American values of faith, courage, and heroism. We the people have stories to share, stories to uplift and inspire. You will feel proud, humbled, and blessed to call yourself an American. Sean Ritzman is a Navy veteran. Dealing with his own life purpose dilemma after leaving the service, Sean became a huge proponent for Operation Enduring Warrior and other organizations that offer invaluable physical and mental aid to our returning warriors and first responders. This is Sean's American Story. Welcome to this episode of We the People, Our American Story. My guest today is Sean. Sean, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Tina. I'm excited and um, I will try to do my best and say as few ums as I can. I am positive you will do great. Let's start at the beginning. Can you share with us a little bit about growing up and what led you to join the military? Sure. I'm a New Jersey native. My grandfather, who was my father figure in my youth, was Army. He was stationed in Korea, was a part of the Army Corps of Engineers, just instilled you know, a lot of uh, patriotism in me. Raised by my mother, single mother, had five aunts and a couple cousins. But very much we were raised with pride in our country, communities. And that was uh, one of the things I tried to really hold on to is learning to appreciate what the country was about. So as I grew up, I went through high school and didn't know what I was going to do as far as college or once high school was done. I thought about the army. Didn't give a whole lot of thought about the Marines, you know, respect to the Marines. They're a special breed. And uh, eaters, right? What's that? Crayon eaters, right? Crayon eaters. Yes, ma'am. That's the running joke in, in the Navy, at least, and uh, across the other branches. But so I ended up uh, becoming uh, a part of the force that was the Marine Corps chauffeur crew, a.k.a. the Navy. <laughs> so the comedy there is I ended up getting orders to the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island. So I went to bed and woke up the same place every day. So no chauffeur service, but I did work with the Marines in addition to my day job as a collateral duty doing security on base. And uh, I have the utmost respect for the Marines, you know, Navy corpsmen who are field med, you know, respect to them. Just so many people um, that I've met through OEW in all the branches. Uh, just a, a quick note, we have maybe only one or two Coast Guard folks. So if anybody hears us, in the Coast Guard and is interested in checking out a great organization, check out Operation Enduring Warrior. And that goes for any branch, but Coasties, you need to represent your slacking. <laughs> How old were you when you went into the Navy? When I signed up, I was 17, a uh, delayed entry program. I had a couple months until I turned 18. And then uh, a couple months after that, I graduated and went into the military about a month after graduation, two months, maybe. 
I was in just for four years, considered re-enlisting and decided I would get out and spend time with family. Do they call it basic? Because it wasn't until recently that I learned that Army is basic, Marines is boot. I didn't know. I don't know if Navy has its own thing or if it's basic. Honestly, it depends who you talk to. I've, okay. I've heard it referred to as both. You know, boot camp, basic training. I think the official name is basic training, but if you say boot camp, everybody's going to know what you're talking about. Okay. And how was basic? So at the time, you know, you take somebody from high school with not a whole lot of structure and drop them into basic training or boot camp. It's an eye opener. You think it's one of the most difficult things, but there's a lot of times that it's absolutely the best thing. If you are not kicking and screaming and, you know, challenge averse or change averse, excuse me, boot camp's an amazing thing. And, and I loved it. I, Absolutely hated it at times. You know, you don't know which way is up. You're getting yelled at, you know, you're getting burned or cycled, whatever you want to call it, dropped. And you don't know why, you know, it's just a part of that mind game of, okay, we're going to take, I forget how many people were in a division, 40, 50, something like that. And just raise hell and everybody's getting beat down and PT to where you think you're going to (laughs) puke and you puke. (laughs) <laughs> and the air is so thick with moisture of sweat that it actually Ugh. rains down condensation happens Gross. and it rains down and those are the people in, at least in the navy we called them the rain man or <laughs> rain woman now that's showing my age a little bit i don't know if it's still called that kids now are probably like what's a rain man you know yeah. dustin hoffman who so <laughs> did you stay in the same place did you move around a lot how did that work for those four years so typically billets in the mil- in the military, at least in the Navy, are about three years on average. Well, I, I shouldn't say on average. Uh, my experience and most of the people where I was stationed, uh, that seemed to hold true. Now, boot camp was about two months. Uh, my school, uh, A school was uh, about six months. So that right there puts me at eight months, leaving me four months out of a four-year enlistment. So most of the time, what they do is they extend you those four months, you finish up your time if you're getting out. If you're transferring, they'll go ahead and move you, you know, you re-enlist and then go on to your next station after that three years comes up. Yeah, so I, I was in Newport the entire time. May I ask uh, what year this was? I know that will kind of show your age, but... <laughs> I don't mind. I went in in 95 uh, as when I graduated high school, and I was there from... Um, Early 96, I think I got there in February of 96, finished up in August of 99. You were blessed then not to have any deployment. Correct. I I did get some time on the USS The Sullivan. We have uh, things called PARS, which you have to get signed off for advancement, basically making sure you know how to do your job. Now, my job was essentially um, combined with another. So I went in for communications, which... 90 some odd percent of the time is probably a shipboard duty station or you're running around with called uh, green gear with Marines or whatever. My hope when I first went in was to do that. I wanted to have the radio pack on my back and go out with the Marines or Navy SEALs or something. That was a route I had considered. Unfortunately, they like to run and I don't. <laughs> I'm a fan of Taco Bell run for the who border. Likes, who likes to run, right? 
sick people like ultra marathoners and and you know marathoners in general but no 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 respect to folks who run it's it's one of the greatest exercises that you can do and it's something i'm trying to do more of uh, later in life in your 40s and you know definitely having a higher bmi than i used to i i believe i'm called a clydesdale category and you feel it so I haven't you know the knees one. what's that i haven't heard that a clydesdale category yeah. So in runs, you know, the, the bigger fellas, at least uh, we, we get the privilege and distinct honor of being called Clydesdale. So yeah, we're horses, big gotcha. horses at that. Well, you know, I go with Dr. Oz. You know who Dr. Oz is? No, he, of Dr. Oz. He actually says that if you run a lot of marathons, it shortens your lifespan because it's very hard on your joints and it breaks down your body. I'm going with him. <laughs> hey, that sounds like sage advice, and I, I will support that. <laughs> you get out of the Navy, and what do you do after that? Uh, spent a very long time trying to find myself. I think a lot of folks, when they get out of the military, especially when you are in harm's way, I was not. So I would say that small feeling that I felt of trying to find myself is a fraction of what some other folks do. You seek that community that you had. You seek that ability to know what your job's going to be that day, roughly, and, and what your purpose is. So I think that addresses a lot of challenge we see with transitioning service members and women of trying to find a place. What I did was took the first job I could get that was fairly decent. Initially, I signed up for reserves. I wanted to ensure I had some sort of continuation of military service. I didn't know if I was going to go back in, but I knew that was a good foot in the door, so to speak. The unit that I was assigned to was a mobile inshore underwater warfare unit, which honestly, we sat in a trailer at Fort Dix, New Jersey, and it didn't really seem very high speed. So... <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something that felt like it had purpose. They don't move and so fast, right? In the trailers? <laughs> not so much. Uh, unless they're rolling downhill. Luckily, we didn't have that happen. Uh, just disclosure. I went and looked for a full-time job, and I found a job that had decent pay, decent benefits. Not the best hours, but in the process of interviewing me, I was told, we're not going to hire you because you're in the reserves. And that's a major no-no. I see you roll your eyes and, and scrunch up your brow. That's, that's absolutely the case. Now, this was a new HR person who apparently didn't know the rules and could have gotten in big trouble. But I said, okay, no problem. I'll put in my, in the Navy, we call it a chit, paperwork to get out. And so I was not in reserves very long. And I figured full-time employment is much better than part-time employment. And I had bills to pay and did that, got out of the reserves, worked at a job that wasn't great, but paid well, wasn't overly hard. It was processing alarms. Those old commercials, I've fallen and I can't get up. We were the people on the other side saying, we're sending help immediately, Mrs. Fletcher. And the high point of that career, as short-lived as it was, was we had an alarm come in for Boomer Esiason, who's a football player, yeah. his wine cellar. And it blew my mind that people have alarms on wine cellars and learned apparently wine is a very sought after collectible thing. If that's your hobby. So yeah, nothing crazy. We, we did have some alarms that were legitimate breaking and entering and stuff like that. And people 
under duress and I enjoyed helping people. That, that was one of the earliest things where I realized I enjoyed helping people and I could handle well in a stressful situation. After that, I went completely stressful and took a job as an assistant manager of Hot Topic dealing with little goth kids. So yeah, a little bit of irony and you know, being facetious there. Back to school was crazy. It was so stressful. <laughs> Kidding. But again, in the process of trying to find myself, I was 22 at this time and it was a goofy job. It was fun. It was close to home. I could listen to whatever music I wanted. Did that for a couple of years. And then I went to work. Uh, I started kind of getting my foot back into a real professional path. When I was at the Naval War College, I worked on computers as a computer tech. Uh, I started to tell you that my job combined with another one, the radio job combined with computers for the whole telecommunications boom. And I was blessed with working on computers in the Navy. And then I found a job, took about a year and a half after I got out. I'm sorry, a couple of years after I got out to find a job working with computers again at ADP payroll. And um, I've been doing computers pretty much since then. Worked at several Fortune 500 companies. You know, now I got out of the technical field and I work as an operations manager at Cisco. I enjoy it. It's, it's a little more of that handling high stress situations and orchestrating or herding cats, as I like to call it. It's herding cats a lot of times, but it's, it's great. The people are great. Some situations are stressful, you know, hospitals having uh, life impacting situations. And I enjoy that stress. And I think a lot of folks in the military look for that sort of itch where they feel like they have purpose. Mm. And again, I started talking about getting out of the military. When you're in, you know, there's a greater calling than just the nine to five. It doesn't always feel like it. Sometimes, you know, we have folks working supply chain and you're behind closed doors or you're a personnelman or, or whatever, shuffling papers. But it ties in in a logistical manner where you're supporting other folks who maybe have that stress of being shot at, maybe have that stress of being blown up and, and now you're trying to get on with your life. We all have a piece to play. It took me a long time, but with this job at Cisco, I've been with them for 10 years. For eight years, I've been involved with the veteran-focused employee resource organization. I worked with the local chapter here in North Carolina uh, as a lead for several years. I stepped up to chief of staff for the national organization. I actually helped, by helped, I, uh, probably 80, 85% of the work, getting them into a global capacity. So now we have chapters in India, we have chapters in UK, chapters in Australia. So we've grown the organization quite a bit. In addition to that, I also work with people on the front of their connected disabilities, ERO as well. And that kind of spawned from helping wounded veterans at the organization and, and even outside. And trying to tie in Cisco's efforts with neighboring companies, with local veteran service organizations, Operation Enduring Warriors, one that I'm absolutely passionate about and, and have supported and had Cisco support, but there's local groups with chapters like Team Red, White, and Blue, Travis Mannion Foundation, 22 Kill, who's now called One Tribe, Bearded Warriors, Polvet. All these organizations are, are ones that are near and dear to me, and we've tried to do local events with and for. So it's great getting this community 
to cross pollinate because if somebody leaves a company here, you know, they get laid off. One of the best things you can do is help bring them in over here at another company where you've got uh, a connection. So, I mean, long-winded, but going back to that transitioning service, uh, service members aspect, these are things that I think we can do to really help find purpose and find that connection of community is not pulling away, not being sheltered, not living in a van down by the river, you know, or a cabin in the woods, getting out there and mixing it up with people in our community and how we can help lift them and amplify their message, whether it be finding a job or finding purpose or saving a life by, by lending an ear. There's so many things that we can do. What is the main goal or is there a main goal with this organization through Cisco? Cisco? Yeah. So it's the CISCO, not the um, SYSCO. Yeah. There's one that's like a, uh, they do straws and and restaurant equipment. And I work for the other one, the one that has phones and. Yes. Computers and all that good stuff, right? Exactly. Router switches, data center. We, We are all over the place. So the main point of it. And this is something we we kind of get lost in. We get so focused on outreach that I think we miss inreach, which is what the purpose should be. As an employee resource organization, we are ultimately there to try and help employees and amplify what they're doing, where needs are not being met, making sure that they have, excuse me, representation or or just a voice to be heard. And we do great with outreach. We do a great job bringing veterans into the company. We have programs called Veteran Career Transition Day, which happens around uh, Veterans Day in November. I believe that's getting ready to fire up on all cylinders here at Cisco. And that's with, um, previously had been hosted at North Carolina State University at the Shelton Leadership uh, Center, named after General Hugh Shelton. And it ties into the General Shelton Leadership Forum. Uh, which is an annual event that Cisco has sponsored previously. What we do internally or what we should do internally is help with making sure that veterans are heard as far as care is being met, mental health care. And that was one of the things I, I wish we had done a better job of as a company was having our our leaders really lean in and say, hey, are veterans okay? With what happened in Afghanistan a couple of weeks ago, a lot of folks were hurt. A lot of folks were lost and, and just feeling completely despondent as far as what was it for? You know, I, I lost friends there. I, I made sacrifices. It was all for nothing. And one of the things I tried to do, I, I set a, a recurring call every day last week from 4.30 till 5.30 uh, Eastern time so people could get on the phone and just know that they weren't alone. Hear stories by people who are willing to talk. And some people were just wanting to listen because what that does is it validated their perception of, am I okay for feeling this way? And, and not everybody's a talker. Not everybody's you know given this gift of gab that I have. We, we did have a lot of folks talk and, and a lot of folks who were there because I couldn't speak on it. All I could do was offer them an opportunity to make sure that their voice was heard. And they knew that, I'm okay, but we aren't okay. And, and I think that's a key message that a lot of folks needed to hear. And we had 25 people uh, Monday, 25 people Tuesday. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you have you know 200 people in an organization, 
you're 20% right there, 20 plus percent. And then we had some folks on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, which shame on me. I ended up scheduling when we had a company-wide event. So a lot of people went to that, but we still had, you know, five to 10 people per day show up on those three days to lean in, to listen, to be there for their colleagues who they served with, or maybe some folks who just were on the tail end of it, who didn't serve on the front lines, but, you know, lost, you know, brothers, sisters, literally or figuratively. And um, little things like that, that help us as a community feel validated and feel feel like you're, you're, you're part of something bigger and you're not lost in the shuffle is important because that turn of events, the, the evacuation of Afghanistan was just, it messed with a lot of people. I won't get into the politics of it. You know, some people say right place, wrong place, right time, wrong time. That's irrelevant. My focus was how are we as a community there to take care of one another? And I think that was really important. And the feedback that I got was other people felt it was important too. So I I think companies that have employee resource organizations, you know, whether it's around violence going on in the Asian community, you know, we have a group for uh, Asian and um, Indian and black early in career, LGBT, everybody has something that ties into whether it's some kind of disservice, injustice, whatever it may be, communities need to come together. And it's our job to listen to one another. Veterans, we can be any walk of life, any religion, gay, straight, black, white, Hispanic, short, tall, whatever it may be. And, and you can't see that. I think it's important for people to be aware and to listen to one another and, and give that opportunity. And I think that's the biggest thing that Eros do is it tries to amplify that, that aspect. But I think sometimes too, it's easy to get lost because when you see somebody's affinity, me as a white male, you know, you as a white female, it's, we start predicting what people think or feel. And these affinity groups are great because what they do is they go beyond that or they should go beyond that. Some of them, I think, get stuck on just, this is what I am. It it doesn't focus enough on who we are. So as veterans, I've got brothers and sisters who are every walk of life. Some look like me, some do not. And, And that's the great thing is, you know, in the military, you know, in the Navy, the joke was, you're not black, you're not white, you're Navy blue. And I got a feeling the Army and the Marines probably have similar sayings where you get past what we are and you get to the core of who we are, who we are there to be. And that's, in my case, a sailor who never really went on a ship. But that's a side story. They're called yeah. orders, not requests. And, you know, I didn't request to go there. I, that's where I went. I don't think that we can do enough for veterans. I don't think we do enough. And I am curious to hear about OEW, how that helped you. And maybe if there are some people in that organization 
maybe you can tell us a little bit about OEW for those of us who don't know anything, if this is the first time many of them listening have heard about OEW or Operation Enduring Warrior, what it is that organization does, how it helped you, maybe some of the people that have made an impact on you through that organization. That's a lot, huh? It is, it is, but I've got this. I, I can do it. So Operation Enduring Warrior is a uh, volunteer-run 501c3. As of right now, we are 100% volunteer. At some point, that will have to change just because of the workload and everything else. So before my comms officer you know, yells at me for that, I did need to get that disclosure in there saying <laughs> at some point, we will not be 100% volunteer-run. But volunteers are the, the life source of that organization, absolutely as are our honorees, as are our community ambassadors, our MAT team, our officers. MAT is our masked athlete team. And those are the folks, you know, you mentioned before Matt Bradford going through an event and having a handler. Now we don't disclose who they are. And and the reason for that is the mask on my shirt here. that's, That's our symbol. And the mask is a very important piece. What it does is it gives our masked athlete team anonymity and it puts the focus on the honoree that they are taking care of because who's behind the mask doesn't matter all that is is a symbol all that is 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 a vehicle to help that honoree achieve whatever it is they they're trying to do now our typical bread and butter what we're known for are things like spartan races so obstacle course races ocr tough mutter bone frog there's there's a number of them out there and Warx is our our partner that we go and do events. They are located in um, forget the town offhand, but it's in Ohio. I believe it's uh, Northwest Ohio. As I started to tell you earlier, it's an apple orchard that they converted into a, a massive obstacle course race, essentially. And they they have events uh, a couple times a year with us, and you know let us use the facility for our mass athlete in doc. So what that is is basically. Folks put in applications to become a part of the mass athlete team. It's not just, hey, come on in. Here you go. Here's your mask and you can do this. No, you have to go through indoc, indoctrination. And it's to make sure that you are in for the right purpose and that you are there for the long haul. We've had folks who are all about it and we tend to wash out pretty easy. And I say we because I was one of the folks who went through indoc and I went ill-prepared physically and, and mentally. And I didn't make it through. Now, that's okay. I'm still involved. And what we need are people who are wanting to get involved and do you know, a lot of hard work, whether it's go through an event or helping to do lifting on the logistics side. But Operation Enduring Warrior, their mission is to honor, empower, and motivate our nation's wounded veterans. That initially started out as just military. It has since expanded into police. And we are looking to expand that further into fire and I believe emergency uh, medical services. At some point, our mission should include first responders uh, across the board. Are these people wounded physically or does it go into other aspects? It can absolutely go into other aspects. So we have folks who, you know, their wounds are very visible and some folks who wound, whose wounds are invisible. And that's, I think, very symbolic of life, right? You know, we all experience some sort of trauma and it's how deep does that trauma run? 
folks who have been in combat or uh, had severe training accidents or uh, I'll even call combat, you know, what, what a police officer sees as far as being shot or, or having a vehicle wrecked. Those traumas are comparable. Going into a fire, willingly going into a fire uh, to save people and, and being hurt, seeing your firefighting brethren, sistren hurt. Those are traumatic experiences. Even something as simple as coming upon a car accident and trying to save a life and not being able to, especially maybe one that's more sensitive. These are things that impact people. And those traumas are, are, you can be physically fit as a fiddle and shut down emotionally and, and your health will follow. So the mission is to basically lift them up get them out off their rear ends, getting them the support they need, letting them find their voice. And we've had people go through our organization as honorees who have become mass athlete members, who have started their own nonprofits, who have done great things. We, we mentioned Matthew before, and I don't know where Matthew's story begins and ends as far as when he started his group, his nonprofit. But that's the kind of thing. It's like you have somebody who is going through something you help them find their legs. And I know that symbolism is not lost on me. And, and Matthew, I'm sure would laugh at that. Please forgive me, Matthew. You get legs underneath you and you stand and you get your own path and you start your own organization and you impact lives. That's what it's all about. You know, it's just whether it's a success like that or a success of somebody saying, I can go on. And for me, going back to my story, Going through Indoc, I was at a rough place in my life. I was trying to find my purpose. I was just absolutely lost. I knew there was more to helping than just seeing somebody on the side of the road and helping them change a tire. That's great. But I wanted more. I wanted to help a, an entire community, not just an individual. Operation Enduring Warrior, I saw you know some of their videos, early videos with like Noah Galloway, who started his own um, nonprofit as well. And the ladies out there may know him from Dancing on the Stars or Dancing with the Stars. I'm sorry, not I'll on the set up. Why have I not heard of him? I'll have to look him up. I'm going to write that down. Noah is awesome. He's a great guy. He was involved with us for a while. He's gone on to his own thing. And uh, God bless Noah. He, he opened up uh, a lot of people's eyes to the organization. Good people. I mean, just in general. So my story with how it impacted me, I was... Uh, going through indoc and completely getting my rear end kicked and Rick Holberg, he was my wingman. He, he kept me going, not just through indoc, but through some other stuff in life that was a challenge for me. When I say this organization saved my life, it helped me find people that saved my life. It helped me find a reason for me to save my life, to go on. And I think that purpose is so, so important. And we as a military community, I started to touch on this earlier, having that purpose when you're in, you know clearly that, yeah, your your job may not be the best. You're not frontline. You're not saving lives, but it's a part of something. And I think when you get out and you start working, to use my example, at a place that monitors alarms, oh, maybe not that one. That one had some purpose, but at Hot Topic, I was not saving uh, too many goth kids from their 
at the time UFO jeans uh, or, or UFO pants or and Jinko jeans. We sold plenty of those. Some of them looking back, probably wish I could have saved them. We all had those fashion faux pas. Finding purpose is important. And I was lucky to have my eyes open to that need through Operation Enduring Warrior and seeing some of the videos of them going through Spartan races and taking folks who, who like me, felt broken and lifting them up and getting them back on their feet and sending them on their way. There's a great video that we have on YouTube with um, our team uh, doing some skydiving stuff. That's another program that we have. We have, um, like I said, OCR is is kind of our bread and butter. Anybody who's been to the bigger Spartan races, if you see folks in gas masks, you know, hauling people around that are missing limbs, odds are really good. That's us. I wondered, and, you know, I, there's a picture of Matt on the gut and gut check and running next to him is somebody in a gas mask. And I thought, what is up with that? <laughs> and now operations I know. Are in now, you know, and knowing is half the battle. A little shout out to my youth there again, G.I. Joe. I had Carmelo Rodriguez on a, a podcast episode. He wrote a book called Dead Soldier, which is, yeah, another story as well. But he talked a lot about uh, PTS, and it depends on if I'm like called PTSD, PTS. Mm-hmm. But he talked about that transition after you get out of the military and how difficult it is because when you're in the military, he said, and you're in the tank and you're the gunner or what have you, you are, what did he call it? You are GI Joe. You're the big guy. You're doing something. You have purpose. And then when you come home and you're pushing papers or whatever, it's totally lost. And he said, I have had a lot of buddies, unfortunately, who lost their battle with drugs and alcoholism because they couldn't cope with not having that huge picture of I'm saving a life and now I'm pushing paper around my desk. They couldn't deal with it. It was tough. It's absolutely deflating. And the thing is, General Mattis has a great video. You you, you touch on PTS and PTSD and, and I want to piggyback off that and respond. General Mattis has a great video talking about post-traumatic growth. And what it is, is you can take that crap, that raw terrible stuff. And if you frame it right, you find growth through it. You find opportunity to be more compassionate, to be a better human, to take your gifts and give back to the world. And it's so important that we, not just veterans, but we all do that. Whatever your gift is, give it away, give it back, give it into the world and There's so many people, and I was so hopeful that with COVID and isolation, people would come back into the world and be like, hey, let's embrace, let's let's make things better because we had this absence. And unfortunately, a lot of people, too many people have become feral. And it's just, you see so much nastiness online and, and the bold keyboard warriors, and it's carrying over into real life. I, I think one of the important things to remember is that through COVID, we had that twisted T incident where somebody, you know, it became a weapon of choice at a gas station. People have become so emboldened that we were missing that empathy. 
it's a missed opportunity. So I think if we take those things and we go in with the mindset of how can I use this to better myself? How can I use it to better my community? We can do that. Getting off that tank is GI Joe. That guy's buddy like needs to understand, okay, what skills did you have? What's your desire? Your desire is to help people. Your desire is to make things better. And sometimes that's done with, you know, mortar rounds. And sometimes that's done with leaning in and, and helping build a house for somebody, a wounded veteran. Sometimes it's just helping somebody on the side of the road who's down on their luck and giving them 20 bucks out of your pocket. You might go without lunch, but guess what? You might've bought them a couple meals. And the thing is you might've bought them quick fix. We don't know what people are going to do. Charity ends as soon as that money leaves our hand. And a buddy of mine's ex-wife had told me that and it was so profound and it's had lasting impact on me. Charity ends when you give that money up and you have to assume and hope that it's going for something mm. pure and good and it's it's feeding someone. But that $20, look at it as it's going to something good. Yeah, I, I went off on a tangent there and I, I apologize. Okay. Tina. That's okay. You mentioned uh, OEW uh, honorees. I'm curious, what does that mean to be called an honoree? And also, who are some of the people that have impacted you through that organization and what have they taught you? What was it about them that taught you something? I look at these folks who I've met through the group, able-bodied, assumingly less than able-bodied, and they put me to shame. I've got some health issues, you know, nothing crazy. I've, I've got a jacked up back, but my jacked up back is probably, I'm not going to say, I shouldn't say probably, it is less of a deterrent than somebody who has no legs going through an obstacle course. I've seen firsthand somebody with no legs carrying on their arms. They'll say they're stumps. I, I, I know that sounds like it would be insensitive, <laughs> but I've heard some hilarious and politically incorrect terms. So stumps is probably safe. Well, the best thing about to- these people, Sean, I think you'll have to agree, is they have the best sense of humor about their situation. So that's funny. So the company I work with, they would say, these people is wrong. All right. (laughs) And I have to laugh because in the military, we tend to have a very dark sense of humor. And oh my God, the ball busting that goes on with certain things. It's a safe space by and large. Uh, Now that's not a blanket statement. I'm sure it may. I don't like that word safe space. To me, that comes up marshmallows. (laughs) I I agree. I agree, but I don't know what else to call it. It's, we, we laugh at the fluff, but yeah, I mean, so, so the folks that are they're going through as, as honorees, as um, adaptive athletes, depending on what group you're with, there, there can be different terms. But we've stepped back and called them what they are. They're honorees. Like these are people that have made sacrifices and they're worthy of that title. And it's so important. But it's amazing because I see them and I'm just like, holy crap, what's my excuse? And we all have an excuse, you know, whether it's fear of failure fear of commitment, fear of discomfort, of pain. And you look at what they've gone through and what they're going through. It's a solemn reminder that there are folks who are even worse off 
who have done a hell of a lot more than me, I've got no excuse not to lean in and try and try and be better. Kind of makes you feel folks, like a hill, doesn't it? <laughs> it absolutely does. It absolutely does. And, and not that good my way. Problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the thing is, it makes you step back and pause and realize there are folks that have made the ultimate sacrifice. And you know what? Sometimes a little discomfort, a little bit of pain is a good reminder. I'm still here. I still am alive. I can do this. And I should do it for the folks who can't. And our community is just, it's so resilient. And I think so many folks forget that and they fall into the lie of, I'm not what I used to be. Being a veteran is just a start. Being in the military is just a start. What do you do after that? Find purpose, find community, find ways to lift each other up. One of my favorite books that I've, I say read, I listen to it. I'm an audible person. That's I counts. drive a bit. I can't read and drive, so I'll listen and drive. That it's counts. safer for everybody. But Sebastian Younger, Tribe on Homecoming and Belonging. If you have not read it. What's it called again? Tribe on Homecoming and Belonging. And who is it? Sebastian? Sebastian Younger. Okay. And I, I actually have the quote saved because it's so, I want to make sure I say it right whenever I use it. It says, when people are actively engaged in a cause, their lives have more purpose with a resulting improvement in mental health. Now, allegedly that was taken from another book, another author named Lyons and Sebastian Younger does quote him. Um, but I think it was on some sort of a paper rather than a literary, uh, like a book. But that quote always gets to me. And I'm going to repeat it again because it's so important. When people are actively engaged in a cause, their lives have more purpose with a resulting improvement in mental health. So for folks who get out of the military, I cannot stress that enough. Find a reason why. And that word, why, and the word tribe. Yes, they're corny, they're overused, but damn it, they're so accurate. Find people who will hold you accountable. Find people who will lift you up. Find people who will help you better yourself and better your community and find reason to get up and not get depressed that this mission that you once had no longer exists. That's probably my biggest takeaway. You know, you probably never heard of a lady named Kathy Heller. I took a business course with her. She's a big podcast guru, whatever, and all this other stuff. It's actually my aunt. It is not. You're so full. You're right. It's not. I am full of it. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. I think she's younger than both of us. So probably not. Well, I mean, it still could be possible, but no. But anyway, she has a quote too that you will like. And her quote is, the opposite of depression is not happiness. It's purpose. Agreed. And I believe that 100%. That's very wise and profound. So shout out to, uh, to Kathy Heller. And I, as you were talking about some of these vets and the things that they have gone through, and we can't see a lot of them. And I'm sure he wouldn't mind because he was very vocal about it in his episode is Ian Newland. Mm -hmm. He went through a lot and his wounds aren't on the surface. You can't see it, but he willingly shared with me the drinking 
and just the depth of despair that he was in. And a lot of our vets carried that with them. He was wounded as well. He was wounded. But if you go and look on his Facebook and see what he looked like after he was wounded to where he is now. And what did you say about him before we started recording? What did you call him? He's a speed demon, apparently. He's a stud. Like Ian is a stud. I have not met Ian in person. I've worked with his wife for years through Operation Enduring Warrior. Crystal's amazing. She's, uh, they're an amazing couple. They just seen the stuff they do, the outreach, the inreach to each other. That's what we need, whether it's a spouse, a friend, whatever. He was a weakling when he came out. He was injured and he, his poor body was falling apart and his mental capacity was falling apart. And he went through a long time of struggle. But now when you see that man, wow, he has come a long way. And I'm sure you'll agree with me that we could go on and on talking about all these men and women that have overcome so much and are such awesome examples to the rest of us. Absolutely. For sure. And that starts with finding what motivates you. Tell me I can't do something and I'm going to show you how I do it or getting to the point of I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. There are so many triggers as far as what makes somebody get off their rear end and do something. And sometimes it's going for a walk for a mile, you know, or a half mile, whatever you can do. We've got folks who need oxygen tanks and sometimes they can't do that distance. And that's okay. Do what you can do. Just strive to be better than who you were or what you were yesterday. And that's it. Baby steps. Give me a couple of organizations. I'm sure you've already mentioned them that you would advise people to go to, to support veterans. Absolutely. So Operation Enduring Warrior is, is near and dear to my heart. Whole Vet is another one, and that's W-H-O-L-E, Whole. They are great. They're a small North Carolina group. Team RWB, they have chapters all over, uh, all over the U.S. One of the biggest groups I think that people can help, and it's not veteran specific, is F3 Nation. And it's a sister group. FIA nation, which F3 is, is the men's group and FIA is the females group. It's females in action. And those are open to everybody. It's a fitness group. And I think fitness is such a key element in betterment between endorphins and muscle and everything else. Like what it does for the body is so important. So that would be my non-veteran plug group. However, there's a lot of veterans involved in it because just that sense of community. And then I would say uh, Bearded Warriors is another group that does a lot of good stuff uh, local in Alabama. Just look around. There there are so many groups, whether big or small, find something that resonates with you, find something that fits your purpose and support it. Sean, what does America mean to you? Besides freedom and apple pie. um, (laughs) Apple pie is good. So that's a complex question. And, And without delving too deep into different tangible aspects. America to me is the idea that everyone should have the right to pursue their personal freedoms, regardless of skin tone, regardless of gender, regardless of sexual preference, military service, whatever. I think we all should have that ability. 
And America stands for that. And in this day of cancel culture and everything else, people argue it doesn't mean that anymore. I think it does. And I think we need to be mindful of that tightrope we walk and making sure that we have inclusion and that we also have responsibility. Anybody can say anything they want, but you're going to be held accountable and you should be respectful and practice empathy. And if we do that, I think we're in a much better place. Thank you for sharing your American story, Sean. Thank you, Tina. I appreciate your time and, and all you're doing for our veterans. Sean is a rock star. I am grateful we were able to spend this episode talking about our wounded warriors, those who have sacrificed more than most for our country, and how they can receive the physical and mental help they so deserve. Sean's advice, whatever your gift, give it away, is applicable to all of us. Get involved. Find an organization to fit your passion. Thank you for listening to another episode of We the People, Our American Story podcast. Do your part. Spread the word. Share with friends and family. Subscribe. Take a moment to leave a review and rating. These stories need to be heard by all Americans. Next week is Thanksgiving. As you will be indulging in turkey feast and holiday sales, there will not be a new episode. However, the following week, I will bring you Tammy's American story, which includes five of her sons serving in the military and the heartbreak of losing her youngest son to suicide and a second killed in action. Happy Thanksgiving. Eat lots of turkey and pie. See you in two weeks.